This podcast is for mature audiences only. The topics and views discussed are opinions based on personal experience and may change. Some names have been changed or otherwise altered to protect privacy. We do not own or otherwise possess any rights to any of the music played or mentioned during recordings. Welcome back, guys. Taboo Tuesday with Raven. Unfortunately, Johnny B will no longer be joining us for personal reasons. Um, but my friend Tiffany has decided to help me um, until we get some rotating guests in. Um, if you're interested, please email us at tabutuesdaypodcast.com. Um, but Tiffany, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and what's going through your head right now? Um, I am a mom to an almost three-year-old monster. Um, and right now I'm actually thinking about, in a couple of months from now, we're going to be looking for a new place to live. And people are starting to throw more and more offers at me. And it's starting to get confusing. Because it all depends on, like, job and trying not to be pressured by family. What kind of offers are you talking about? Well, I've got trying to stay with you. Uh, my My parents and sister and everyone want me to go up to Temecula. My sister started sending me text messages with different apartments yeah you mentioned that one the other night and I I don't think it's a healthy option for you even with me out of the picture I don't think to make it as a healthy option option for you right now um do you happen to know why because my family believes it would be healthier for me to move up to Temecula um yeah they that's basically my dad mentioned that and then my stepmom mentioned it. Okay, so I'm going to throw a little bit of your your information out here just for those listening. You guys need to understand that her family has been straight called toxic by her therapists. Do you want to tell us about that? Um yeah, they're considered toxic because um they try to and a lot of the time until recently they succeed in making me feel obligated to do like go to family events or make me feel bad when I after a family event I hit this down spiral um basically from playing a game their game um for instance uh we went to the Polar Express in Williams, Arizona. And it was three three days, I think. You were gone the whole weekend, yeah. Yeah, I think it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And um, you pointed out that I completely shut down afterwards. I was barely functioning. Y'all, when she got home, her ass sat in the chair. She stared at her phone and did nothing else all day. Like, she was struggling to function, but functioning prior to this uh, trip. And when she got back, you could tell that the entire thing was understandably overwhelming. It's a it's a long trip. You guys yeah. got back later than you anticipated. It didn't go as smoothly. Do you want to talk about maybe why, why or what triggered you to go on your downward spiral after the Polar Express? I honestly think it's I was home I didn't have to put up an act anymore I got I was exhausted uh, mentally from having to be the person my family wants me to be could you elaborate a little bit more like what are what are their expectations that you find difficult or even impossible to adhere to or feel are wrong um I have to be happy all the time I have to be what in their eyes is a perfect mom um 
and that I should be able to handle any kind of situation with a smile. Um, for instance, one of my, I guess she's considered an aunt, bought two of the three little, little girls a bracelet and my daughter felt left out and she started crying and instead of they were upset that I got frustrated and went and bought my daughter a bracelet uh, they were upset that I, uh, the frustrated part the fact that I voiced my frustration so basically and this is this is what I'm I'm hearing and I hear this on a regular basis so forgive me for for my um, I guess assumption here but it sounds like they want you to be mechanical and um i guess fake yes like um now most of the family i think does it unconsciously uh like my stepmom um but i feel like they all what did you say enable my father there's a lot of enabling going on there. Um, but they all push more towards enabling my dad as the main person. That- yeah, the, there's a lot of it. Um, I've mentioned your your dad in podcasts before. Her dad is one of the biggest narcissists I've ever met in my entire life. Unabashedly narcissistic. Like, if you told him he was a narcissist, he'd probably tell you you were full of shit. But if you were to videotape him for a day and his re- interactions and his reactions to any comment whatsoever and go put it in front of a therapist, I am not joking. He is a textbook narcissist. It doesn't matter if you're wearing a blue shirt because blue matches the beige pants. You did it to go against him. It all has to do with him. All of them. Do you want to give them the example? Uh, what did your dad do on this trip? Because I know that that's kind of where this is going. She's going to bring us up to speed on, on, on an experience with her dad. On the way home from the trip, where we just entered California borders. Um, and we had a miscommunication between the three cars. And my dad went past where everyone was going to stop and he had felt he'd been voicing all day that he'd felt that nobody was listening to him and that he had no reason to be around and all this crap and it's crap um but everyone was ignoring him everyone was doing something against him and um they were arguing in the car a little bit trying to keep it down for the littlest one because she gets stressed easily um that's due to other problems um from her past and then um we finally parked at a gas station slash restaurant I can't remember what restaurant and he continued throwing his fit and then um as we're walking into the restaurant he threw the key down my stepmother's shirt and walked the other way and said he's gonna walk his way home we're literally at the border of arizona and california which is at least four and a half hours and for anybody who's curious it is at least four and a half hours from our doorstep to the border of california and arizona without traffic yeah he then took off the other direction and my stepmom and I were helping a, God, she's seven, a uh, seven-year-old and a 91-year-old uh, with dementia into the restaurant and Swire, yeah, he was there and after they were walking to the door Swire said he had uh, great grandma and my stepmom asked that uh, if I could go talk to him and I said I'm going to throw the same attitude right back at him. I don't have the attitude uh, uh, compared to what he does but I can pull it out. Well, I just love how you're like you're now starting to be like I'm done with this game though. 
Like you're, from what I've noticed, you're the only one in your family who's not playing his game. No, um, but yeah, when I went and chased after him, caught up with him, no, I cannot run, I will fall. She's one of the biggest klutz I've ever met in my life. I can barely walk without falling. Um, So I chased after him and I got him to turn around. I I asked him what I did wrong to piss him off. And he said something about talking. He heard talking through the door because we had adjoining hotel rooms with those stupid doors. I kept ours locked. It made me feel uncomfortable that we had the doors. Uh, those are common. I mean, like whether he did it on purpose, I can't I can't attest I, to. But it wouldn't surprise me is my point here. Um. But yeah, I asked him what I did wrong and he had heard me angry talking to, I don't think my sister was in the room yet, so it was to Squire, um, because I had drank and then I, I didn't drink a lot. I think it was two shots and a margarita. Okay. And... I had made a snide comment to him about, hey, both your daughters are drinking. What do you think about that? Because he doesn't drink, um, which is probably a blessing in disguise. There's no probably about that. (laughs) I could not imagine your dad drunk. I feel like he would be like a bull. He'd just go charging after everybody who looked at him. That wouldn't surprise me either. But um, and I didn't like his answer, but I didn't like how he said his answer so I went to talk to Swire about it and um, I can get loud without realizing it. So uh, he heard me through the door and that's what I did wrong. Okay. What did you end up saying? Oh, I asked him, I had asked him about how he felt about both his children being drunk and he had said, shit, I don't remember. So he made a comment. <laughs> he made a comment. And then I went into the room because I was pissed. And I was talking to Swire saying how he was being a jerk. And so you were venting yeah. a very valid emotion. Yeah, because he made me feel. And because you had an emotional response to something that he said you were wrong yes and i'm not gonna lie i set him off i i really did when he told me to keep going away and going away and i said um so you're gonna abandon this family like you did your last one because it felt it it really does still feel like uh some of the time that he replaced my sister and i both me and my sister fell that way the 21 year old and myself and then um but yeah we so we said I said that to him that he was just gonna ditch ditch us and find another family again and I know that set him off and I said and then as I was walking away I also said um don't worry I'll take care of them like I did last time because when I was younger, I took care of my sister growing up after my mom died. And then, yeah, it was just a big emotional thing. After he left and I went back into the restaurant and helped out, there was text wars going on between him and my stepmom and him and myself. Um, I had the um, displeasure of getting to read some of these text messages and it solidified my my opinion that um they are very toxic for you because you have a serious issue with boundaries um not so much overstepping them you have a very difficult time creating boundaries for yourself um she doesn't say no um i believe johnny used to call it caretaker trauma that's actually a good 
that's a good description of it. He, uh, it was, it, I'm pretty sure that's how he worded it. Um, I know it was caretaker and it had a lot to do with his trauma, but he took care of his mother through a lot of, um, stuff as, as he had discussed in previous episodes. And, um, I'm assuming that you also helped take care of your mother. I did not have to take care of my mother. She unfortunately, um, she had a heart attack and passed away. So, okay, so it wasn't yeah. like she was sick for an extended period of time. She mm, just she she suffered from obesity and re- then got pregnant. Refused to listen to the doctors. And by what I mean when I say obesity is like four hundred fifty, five hundred pounds. Morbidly obese. Yeah. Um, and she got pregnant at three and a half at three and a half months pregnant. She had yet to listen to any of the doctors. Like it was a high risk pregnancy. She wasn't willing to take care of herself. Which caused her to have a heart attack because she couldn't take care of herself and the baby or fetus, technically. But, um, yeah, she had it, it was a baby because she planned on keeping it. So yeah. That's kind of how I differentiate. It's a, it's a fetus until it is a baby. But it's, and again, this is my personal opinion. We all have one. But um, the way I differentiate between baby and fetus is fetus is I don't know if I want it or I don't want it and or it's too soon to actually really have one serious emotion about it unless you've always wanted babies um so I'm assuming she wanted the baby or do you think she didn't want the baby but she was doing it to appease the um people in the immediate surroundings I don't think she was trying to appease anyone. I want to say that she genuinely wanted the baby, but I also have a theory that when they, when the doctor told her it was going to be high risk and she most likely won't survive the surgery, I have a theory that she was going through depression and it's not a theory anymore. It's a, it's a fact. She's, she was going, she was suffering from depression. Um, I just didn't know it then. And, I speculate the possibility of her keeping the baby just because she didn't want to live in the end. Which okay. That, it's morbid. It's dark. But. Well, it is morbid and dark, but that's that's something that I don't think I've ever personally heard before. Like, I don't think I've ever heard somebody say, I think so-and-so kept the baby because they wanted to die. Yeah, but um, as I look back, I can see where she was at she was at a breaking point when she got pregnant and I just think she was literally just living she got to the point where she was just living to eat she was eating her emotions now um I know that I have been pretty open about this we we both struggle with uh with uh, binge eating, mm-hmm. um, emotional binge eating, it is a form of self-harm. So like it all does tie in together. But my question is, do you think that some of your coping mechanisms are influenced either um, consciously or subconsciously with what you saw with your mother? Yeah. Um, yeah, because she gave us, we got to go out to McDonald's. That was a treat. We got, we got all these treats as we were growing up. Then after the divorce, it turned into a regular thing. Oh, I'm going to be better by taking you to McDonald's. Oh, she turned into, instead of a Disneyland dad, a Disneyland mom, where she would get us all these cool things and she would try to win us over that way. And it did not work for me. Um, about six months maybe less than six months into the divorce I chose to go live with my dad and not see my mom damn yeah and how do you think living with your dad affected your psychological well-being growing up I think well (laughs) I think at that time it was the right choice lesser of two evils yeah um 
if I had to imagine having my mom choosing between my mom and dad over that whole period of time of growing up, I think in the end I would have, I, I think it would be split 50, 50, honestly. You think you would have ended up now? See, when I was, when I was a kid, I had a really rocky relationship with both of my parents. I was constantly going back and forth. Um, the number one reason I didn't stay at my dad's um, was generally because of his his wife. <laughs> that woman and her children ignited so much rage in me. Unbridled rage. Like, at one point in time... Now, you have to understand, like, I've told you, when I was in high school... I was, I was the same size as I am now, but I was in much better shape. I was working out six days a week. Um, so, I mean, I was thick, but I was strong. Yeah. And her youngest daughter used to sit there and go, you're such a fucking fat ass, fatty, 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 fatty. And I'm sitting there like, I already don't fucking sleep, right? So I'm like 15 years old, 14, 15 years old, and I'm sitting here listening to this little 12-year-old bitch call me a fat ass and I picked her up by the throat and I slammed her up against the the closet door and I said I'll show you where my fucking weight comes from cunt and I was as soon as I was getting ready to take that further I hear her mother screeching up the stairs you lay a fucking hand on my daughter I'll call the cops and I want them tell her to shut her fucking mouth or I'm gonna throw her out the goddamn window and make it worth it and my dad or she went you fucking do it now have your ass arrested my dad went you have my daughter arrested and i'm gonna take every dollar i have and leave and she stopped talking because she was broke and living off my dad my dad used to make really really good money um and at one point in time, I stopped, or I, I, it was when I went and lived with my mom because I was, I was coming up on, I was 16 at, at the point of this portion. And like, I, I had moved back in with my mom because I couldn't stand, I couldn't live with my stepmom and my stepsisters. Like, I, I couldn't do it. So I went to my mom's. And while that wasn't the greatest place for me to be, I was working full time. So I was never mm-hmm. home. So like, I went to school, I went home. I changed. I went to work. I didn't get home till midnight. So like I literally saw my mom make five hours a week. Yeah. It was kind of nice. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I ended up going over and telling my dad that the next time I saw him, that stupid horse faced cunt wouldn't be anywhere near the situation or I would leave and he would never see me again. And a couple months later, he took me to show me the house he was buying without her. So... Oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the reason why I say 50-50 is because that's where the I feel obligated and um, I would feel obligated to... Do you, I want to say, relate to some of the struggles your mom was having knowing your dad as you know him now? Yeah, I mean, I'm just starting to get over the fear of him um and actually talking with other family members I found out that my mom was deathly afraid of him that was the big one and like I can relate the depression to a point um because I've I've never been divorced I have (laughs) (laughs) how you bluntly said i have i have i'm working on the second one now um i don't marry well uh i can i can vouch for the depression there because like as bad as it was with my first husband um that's where a lot of the narcissistic abuse i experienced came from Mm -hmm. was from him it was severe narcissistic abuse and he looked me dead in the eyes a day before Thanksgiving and said, I don't want to be with you anymore. I'm only here because I have to be. <laughs> okay. So like a couple months later, I just, I, it came down to, I was going to kill myself or I was going to leave. And I somehow mustered the strength to choose to leave. So I went back to my hometown and moved in with my dad. And the only strength and energy I had 
was to get up and piss. I didn't have the sh- I didn't have the strength to shower. I like even when I was eating, it was whatever I could grab and shove in my mouth. Like it wasn't I didn't I wasn't taking care of myself. All I could do was sleep. Yeah. So I can like I said, I've never been divorced and I can totally understand that. Um, but from what I saw, she was a functioning adult. And as a 12 year old, I wouldn't have noticed any of the symptoms that she was showing. You'd be surprised. Um, Hindsight is twenty twenty. I'm just saying you would be really, really surprised. You didn't at the age of 12, but you can't say you wouldn't because. Yeah. I see it now. Some people would at 12. Yeah. Well, then that, that also creates anger because it's like, now that I know it, why didn't anyone else see it when they were adults? They're adults. I was 12 years old. That's, 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 a, that's a kicker because they do see it. People see it. They judge it and they deny it and they try to make it no big deal or turn it on to they're just weak or they're overdramatic or whatever but they see it i believed it was ignored by the family she was living uh with my grandmother with my aunts there and that's what i'm saying like that people see it but it it gets overlooked one way or the other and it's really kind of depressing like that in and of itself is enough to make somebody struggling with depression more depressed is to ignore the fact that they're struggling instead of getting in their face and telling them they need to pull their head out of their ass and start taking care of themselves i've never heard that before never Never. i've never (laughs) said that but um my family still does it today i've noticed too now that i can compare especially after my inpatient experience i'm going through this program right now i can see because like everyone i want to stop you there can you maybe elaborate a little bit on what um triggered you to seek professional help in inpatient this this last time um i had gone to a therapy appointment earlier that day i'm I had planned to when I came home to not be alive. I actually planned for someone to find me on the dead, dead on the floor. Uh, that day, like, um, so I went to my therapy appointment, and they kept he kept asking um, the simple questions: "How are you doing?" Um, I completely honest. You have to fill out the stupid iPad surveys. Oh my god, that is one of the dumbest fucking things I've ever experienced in my life. And um, I can't stand that. They they are really stupid. I still have to fill them out today. Um, every time I go. Yeah. Well, I have to do it every day. I go into the program. Oh, you have to do it at program every day. So you three days a week. Yes. Oh, my God. I would scream. I'd throw the fucking iPad at them. I'd be like, you know what? You want to know what my problem is today? This. And I'd just fucking chuck it across the room and be like, I'm tired of this shit. I'm not doing okay. Okay? <laughs> I'd just be... I'd just, I I'm here because I'm not that. doing okay. I can actually see you doing that. That's, that's, um. I don't mean to. Sometimes I get explosive with my anger and anxiety i can't always help it and things get broken but anyway um but i had filled it out honestly and it was on the scary side as they say of things and um so then we started talking about if i'm gonna be safe and uh and i just told him how bad the antidepressants weren't working anymore I was going down I told him I was working which I was I was working 64 hours a week getting maybe three hours of sleep you know your dad made it a point to tell me you were on antidepressants when I asked how you were doing well she's been on this medication for years you know it's time for you know sometimes they have to recalibrate or whatever and I went well yeah if she's been on that medication for that long it makes sense to have to recalibrate it but like that's not what I asked (laughs) um 
I'm sorry. I just, no. It still baffles me how little the man actually understands and how much he likes to show that he understands. But when somebody's been dealing with the same issues for almost, for, for longer than he has. Like, her dad's not much older than me. How old's your dad? 42. Yeah, and I'm 30. So, like, he's old enough to be my big brother. <laughs> I'm old enough to be her aunt. <laughs> um, I totally lost where we were at. Therapy filled it out right. Okay. Or filled it out honestly. Yes, the medication I've been on was probably, I was on it for almost three years. He made it sound like you were on that medication for a lot longer than that. No, I, I went off all my medications when I moved out of his house. Like I before when I was still living in his house, I was taking like 14 pills during the day and seven at night. Jesus. <laughs> I cold turkey just stopped taking him as soon as I left the like. For anyone listening, that is not generally a good idea. No, it really isn't. Um, I was 18. I know I'm not much older now, but <laughs> shut up. <laughs> she talks about being 18 like I talked about being 12. Um, that's not a stab or being mean. It's it's literally the same. It's some of it's the stuff true. she talks about dealing with when she was 18. I'm sitting there going like, that explains a lot. And she went, what? No, I, I was dealing with that when I was like. 12 literally like 12 and she's oh continue yeah um but yeah when i was 18 i cold turkey on my medications which was not smart uh i mean some of the medications were necessary um i was on anti-seizure medications i cut those out i was on an anti i was on two different antidepressants cut that out and so on and so forth um, so I don't know where he fucking got the, he wanted to know more than me. That's all it was. Oh, he wanted to know more about his daughter than I do. Mm. Cause when he, I don't know. It's... I think he feels this need to be superior. He does. He's a narcissist. <laughs> it's. I still His superiority complex goes in with it. I'm still learning about narcissism. I know general, you are. So. I know. I'm just letting you know. Like, no, I. That's why when I looked at you and I said, I know who your dad is, and I don't, I don't care to know him any further. Like it was, is because I, I met your dad for five minutes and wanted to throat punch the motherfucker every time he opened his mouth. <laughs> every single time, yeah. he's that overbearing, like. Yeah, yeah, like blah 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 blah. I blah 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 blah. I and then we and like and oh my god, my wife and my daughters and my truck and I did this and I'm just sitting there going like, you toot your horn any harder and you're gonna break it. He tries to do that with me too. As I've read text messages to you, the my granddaughter. (laughs) That's when you turn around and go, my daughter. Um. So going back to the therapy, you took you took yourself all the medications. Took off all the medications. I was on the one antidepressant for three years. Um. So that's why I said in the therapy appointment, I don't think the antidepressants are working anymore. They didn't work for me. And I was just going downhill. And he kept asking if I was going to be safe, and I didn't directly answer that question he was trying to get you to say it out loud that's why he yeah. kept asking it was obvious at that point that you weren't going to be safe yeah but um then he contacted my psychiatrist and my psychiatrist was able to squeeze me in within like the 10 minute conversation emergency appointment yeah yeah and he was talking to me about medications and then I finally broke when he asked, if I send you home right now, are you going to be okay? And I started crying and said no. I do love your honesty, though. When it counts, you're honest. Yeah. And that's important. Um, and then he straight up said, okay, I'm going to have to put you on a 72-hour hold. Um, 
Now, mind you, we were living together um, when this happened, and we had only been living together for what about two months, two and a half. Yeah, because uh, it was months. at the end of September. Yeah, and um, they basically the I stay with a psychiatrist until they can call a security officer, and then they take me to an empty room, literally with just a chair. Yeah, that would make sense. And a box of tissues. That's literally, that's all that's in that room. And um, the security guard stays with you the whole time. And I'm sitting there. I I texted or called. Called me. I called you. I called Swired. I called my parents. Um, I think that's all the people. Oh, no. And then I called grandma on that side of the family. And I was waiting there probably about two, two and a half hours when they got a room for me. Um, and then it was another 45 minute drive to the facility. Then once you actually get there, it was funny because when I got there, there was actually an alarm going off. So I got to stay in the transportation vehicle. <laughs> For a good 20 minutes talking to these EMTs. Um, Do you remember what triggered you being in therapy? What were you discussing while you were in therapy to trigger you to be that out of control of your emotions? Oh, it was just things that built up. um, Can you elaborate on things for us? I stopped taking care of myself, which I'm not very good at. I'm still not very good at. I don't know. We're working I- on it. You're doing, you are making progress. It's, it's hard to, especially with the, um, the example or examples that you've ever been given on how to treat and respect and take care of yourself. Your mother did not give you a good role model to follow as follow, as far as coping mechanisms and what to do, what not to do. And you're we won't we won't go back on your dad um (laughs) so i mean like you didn't you didn't have those good examples that some of us may have been fortunate enough to have like i did have there are some good things that i learned from my mom as toxic as she is for me um and as toxic as my dad and i's relationship was while i was growing up because he's not a narcissist but he was very narcissistic when Mm -hmm. i was growing up um I understand why now, but as a as an adolescent, there was no way for me to understand because I didn't see his parents often enough or in the same way because I didn't have his parents weren't the same for him as they were for me. Um, yeah, but I wasn't taking care of myself. My only job was to make sure the daughter was okay, make sure the boyfriend was okay, make sure there was food, there was, I was, I basically had to do everything. And... You felt like you had to do everything. Yes. Um, It's very overwhelming at a young age. You had a lot of responsibility at 22, 23 years old. You can't deny it. Yeah, and... I mean, growing up, that's the example that was set for you. Yeah. And also, you're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to talk about it and just deal with it. Now, was that part of the church or was that your dad? I think it was a combination, to be honest. Um, I don't know what the church teaches about this particular area. Well, just in general, they teach that the woman is in charge of the house, is in charge not to give... Not to ask questions, just do it with a smile. Yeah, and not to give make problems for the man. The man should be... A- oh, like 1950s. Um, make sure you always have your hair done. You always have your makeup done. The house is always clean. His dinner's always ready when you get home. The kids are always clean and or out of sight. The man is supposed to come home and relax after work because he had a hard day. Yeah, basically. I will show you a hard fucking day. 
treat me like that. <laughs> I will show you a hard fucking day. Um, but yeah, so I think I feel like it's a combination. Okay. And um, totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> we were talking about what triggered your emotional response. Oh, I'm. I just had built up over time. Oh, that's what you were saying. But did and they say anything in particular or was it finally just like... They asked enough more. They asked enough. And... Um, so is that all I have to do? I just got to sit there and poke and until you pop? Apparently. <laughs> um, but I think it might also be because the way... My psychiatrist worded worded it was like, if I send you home right now, if you went home, would you be okay? Would you be safe? I will say that since you've been home, I like that you are taking more responsibility for yourself and less for those around you. Not your daughter, obviously, because your daughter is a whole other story. Your daughter is an extension of you. So when I say you're taking care of yourself, your daughter is included. Um, but I mean, you went as far as to remove all sharp objects and medications out of your room. Well, dangerous medications, anything that can actually hurt you if you take too much. Yeah. I'm like, I have melatonin and ibuprofen in my room. I think that's all I have. Plus some cold medicine. <laughs> yeah. But the cold medicine's even recent. Yeah. Um, so I, ha- I get to hide those medications. We do that every Monday. And, but I think it's really good that you like straight came. You, you were self-aware enough to come forward and say, I need this out of my reach. I'm still not technically safe. Yeah. It takes a, it takes a strong person to express that much vulnerability to someone who's known them the, their whole lives, let alone a, a nearly complete stranger. Which at that time I, I really kind of was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's the reason I was able to say that, um, say no. That's all I had to say was no. Right. And it, no's a really powerful word. And that, I think that's part of the reason that those of us, because I straight struggle with making boundaries. I also struggle with knowing how much boundary to leave. <laughs> I sometimes have boundaries so big that it's ridiculous and nobody can get in. We won't go there <laughs> today. Um, but is that like when you were in impatient, what were some of the things that they were not really requiring, but um, hoping to achieve before you left impatient? Or you were trying to achieve. It doesn't have to be them because fuck them. But um, Well, the ultimate goal is just to stabilize, um, get you in a stable position, uh, including medications. And um, But my doctor that I have, and I still have, but I will be losing after I leave the IOP program, um, Are they not part of the... He only does inpatient. Well, that's kind of messed Some up. of them do inpatient and outpatient, but he strictly works with the hospital and UCSD. Okay. Yeah. Um, but he was very... Like, I had his sub before I had him, and his sub just raised the medication. Yeah, I remember you talking about that, about how they were just... They just kept increasing the medications. And then when he came back, he went, holy shit. And kind of like took you off of everything and recalibrated it. Yeah. And he didn't just like snap his fingers and it was gone. We actually tapered me off the proper way. Yeah. Yeah. The proper way. You don't want to make it crash because that could be bad. Uh, Some. uh, Let's see here. I have my cousin was on Paxil. Mm -hmm. And um, she said coming off of Paxil was harder than um at that time anyway that during this particular conversation she said that sometimes she wondered if Paxil was more difficult to come off of than um uh, avoiding self-harm or um she was she was also a cutter yeah no um they made it easy for me uh by tapering me off were you on Paxil you were not, not Paxil. Paxil. Yeah. It was Zoloft. I was on Zoloft and 
the sub doctor, um, I was at the max amount and he decided to up it by 50. Yeah. Did anybody fire him? I don't know. I know technically because I've seen him. I saw him outpatient and I said, uh, nope. Let me know when my doctor gets back. <laughs> I've seen him. <laughs> no, fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, I would have I would have complained and said I I don't think he should practice. I would have raised hell. Personally, I mean, like, I would have strongly suggested that they find a different sub. Yeah. Um, but when my actual doctor came in and um, it was cool, he was very straightforward. He was like, well, obviously this medication isn't working anymore. So let's cut that out. Um, and then there was, I was on, Zoloff was the main one and they added Abilify. That's a booster, right? That's one yeah. of the enhancers. Yeah. And that one, I was only on, uh, one dose of that. So it was easy to just like, stop it. You, that's all it was. Cause. Well, from what I gather, Abilify is not, it's not really even addictive. No, it's not. It's one of those like. You can take it or you don't. Like, if it doesn't work, don't take it. It's just, it it helps boost the medications you're already taking. Yeah, but, so we took me off of those medications, and he gave me a choice. He explained to me the two medications he would suggest. The pros and cons to both of them. And I asked his opinion. Because, you know, he is the doctor. And he explained to me why he would pick a specific one. And it made sense to me. So we went with his suggestion and it's helped. I mean, that and I mean, I'm on regular anti-anxiety stuff. That's Seroquel. That's what. Yeah, Seroquel didn't work for me. Um, Seroquel knocks me on my ass. It did nothing. All it did was make me feel like I had a hangover. I'm also on the low dose, so. (laughs) I'm Which we metabolize medications different. I'm I'm medication resistant and it sucks. And a lot of people are like, maybe you should get back on your meds. And I'm like, funny because I was worse on my meds because I was furious that the meds weren't working. Like when you're sitting there taking something every single day and it's not working, you get pissed. Well, you don't just get pissed. You feel defeated. And then you're like, what the fuck is wrong with me? You start internalizing all of that and things get worse. Like there is no point in taking a medication that doesn't work for you. Which is why I actually stopped all my medications when I moved out of my dad's house. Because like the um, the anti-seizure medication, I was still having seizures on a regular basis. Um, but then why didn't your doctors like maybe change the medication or because it's such a it's their number one go-to it's their go-to medication it's one of those situations okay they don't want to do okay a but it didn't work b let's try b c d so on and so forth um but i went off of that medication i stopped having seizures for four um, three years and then i had a seizure and i went back to the neurologist and they suggested putting me back on that same medication. And I said, no. <laughs> because this is the first I, seizure I've had since it since I stopped taking it. I believe that this is the reason why I was having more seizures. So, no. And she got upset and she said, well, what do you want to do? I said, if I have another one, we can talk about medications. And that was that was the one that you just had, like, what, no. two months ago? Or? No, I had another one about six, seven months later. Um, I think that one was due to stress, though. And then I went back to her and she said, "Okay, well, I know you don't want to go on medication. What do you want to do? And I said, no, let me clarify. I don't want to go on that medication. That's fair. Um, So the medication that I'm still currently on is actually a mood booster that is used for it's actually is that the red one that's no that's the effixer that's the antidepressant okay i'm still learning your med. you gotta understand <laughs> i don't take medication lamictal so, lamictal okay it's a mood booster but Which it can be used to for be helping with the seizures well with epilepsy your mood actually has a lot to do with whether or not you're having seizures no. um overstimulation something that happens all the time i watch it happen in 
our uh, our good old buddy. <laughs> yeah. No names. I know. Um, but yeah, so currently I'm on three medications. Like, I have to take every day. I have two PRNs. Right. Yeah. I was going over my head, in my head, what's in the box. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so when did you, when was your first trip? Like, how old were you when you went to inpatient for the first time? 11, 12. That around, I think it was 12. So you more? were about 12. It was after my mom died. Um, but I, even before my mom died, I was in, I was already self-harming. Okay. Were you, was it cutting that you were doing or were you practicing another Cutting, kind of- burning, any, any self-harm you probably can think of that was possible. I would take, um, I would take an eraser and rub it across my skin until it broke skin and then I would keep going. Sounds really unpleasant. That's the point of it though. Um, for me, see, yeah, there, there's one right there. I, I understand on a very elementary level self harm, and um, I recently realized that like my binge eating is a form of self harm. My self sabotage that I have a tendency to do in relationships is another form of self harm. But like mm-hmm. those are the types of self harm that I've practiced. Um, the physical side to it. But is... that's what I'm saying. Like, could you explain to us, like, what it is for the quote unquote self harmer when they're using the more obvious forms of self harm? Well, um, it took. It was a big. It wouldn't. It wouldn't take much for to trigger that need. Um, it could just be after a fight with my dad and I felt like I did something wrong. So I had to hurt myself to teach myself not to do that again. So you were using, you're basically punishing yourself for with in my eyes doing something wrong. And then it also turns into, I get to this point where I feel like I'm going to explode. Instead of, instead of exploding, I want to shred my skin like a release like seeing the cuts and the burns and stuff bloodletting yeah it was it's a release so those are the two big things for me um not everyone of course feels does it no absolutely that's why i was asking um but those are my specific reasons um wow (laughs) so like your cutting is is like a pressure valve yeah and cutting is actually addictive punishment well no i know it is that was the other thing that i learned with my with my cousin was that um cutting is is an addiction yeah so i mean like yes it's a form of self-harm so it in a sense it's a natural substance abuse like it's instead of taking a drug you're slicing your skin open instead and you're causing and it causes a release comparative cause well it causes a, where you feel relaxed. You want to keep feeling that. You want to keep feeling it. It also causes a so- sense of um, adrenaline because you're like, you don't want to get caught. So you're like, oh my God, am I going to get caught? I can't get caught. I can't. Now see, for me, that's those particular um, sensations have never been, um, I, I don't even know what word to use here. Like I've never been um, interested. They've never... They've never felt needed, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, although the calm, the calm sounds fucking fantastic. Yeah. I would really like to know what that feels like. Um, yeah, but I've never, I've never had the the need to feel like constant adrenaline. But I think that's because, like, I have. Yeah, when I started cutting, I actually got the idea. Because everyone was doing it at the age of 12. You kept hearing about people doing it all the time and how awesome it is. The scene girls, yeah. It was hugely advertised when I was 12. It was like a big deal. Yeah, they were, when you were 12, that's when they were starting to bring awareness to it. Yeah, but it was still being, I guess, 
I was perceiving it as still as a positive thing because of the way I heard about it in school. No, I know that's what I'm saying is when they, when you were 12 is when, let's see here, you were 12, I was 19. So, um, right? Is that how that, is that what that is? How does that make you feel? (laughs) (laughs) At this point, it doesn't doesn't bother me anymore, but it never bothered me in the first place. It just kind of took me a minute to get used to. Um, But when I was 19 is when they really started pushing it for younger kids that, um, well, that I, I noticed that they were pushing it younger and younger, um, to help kind of like head it off. Yeah. Of course there's always going to be collateral damage of those who think it sounds cool. Yeah. But that's where I got the idea from. And then I did it. Then I did it again Then I did it again. And it, it became a natural kind of like binge eating. It became, okay, well, let's do this because it feels right. I need to go cut myself yeah. instead of I need to eat that cupcake. Well, I have that problem too, but. We're working on it. You're doing really well. I'm really proud of you though. I, I do need to make sure that I stress that because like we are going to, like I know I can see that this is getting difficult as real as it's getting. She's She's nervous. She's never been in front of a microphone and she's in front of a microphone today, which is anxiety in and of itself but i mean like she's showing physical signs of mild distress i mean like there's it's nothing she's not gonna be able to get over it's once she once this is over she's gonna probably go i need a fucking cigarette yeah 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 um it can be stressful and i know that talking about this is not easy and that's why um i think that's why i'm struggling to keep a solid um co-host yeah. Uh, but I I hope that you'll be a reoccurring co-host. I mean, um, I still feel a little awkward, but I don't feel I feel like I can talk without like all the blushing that I had at the beginning. But, you know, what's funny is because of the church I was raised in, we had to go in front of people and public give speaking. Lessons. So this is different for me because technically I've been in front of them, but I haven't been in front of them. This microphone. is a much more intimate um, conversation than yeah. in front of a group of churchgoers. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're not just talking about, we're not just regurgitating what's in, you know, the four books that you were raised on. Six. There's six? There's six. What's the other two? There's the Book of Mormon. The, the Holy Bible. Bible. Doctrine and Covenants. Um, shit. My brain just The Gates. Back. What? Oh God! Wasn't there something about gates? Book of Mormon, Holy Bible, Doctrine and Covenants. I can't remember. <laughs> pearl, great price. Price. Um, it's a pearl. I always want to say gate. You know what? It's because the pearly gates. Yeah. I always instantly think gate, and it's it's pearl. Um. Then, and when you're in your youth you have these these books one of them is called the young women's book there is a young men's group there there's a young men's group and then there's they get to you young there's a youth one that's um which is more rule-based this is where oh this is gender roles they they push gender roles i know that's part of the reason i have an issue with mormons yeah and that's where the oh i can't wear i can't wear spaghetti straps nothing above the knee i had to i had to ask her because like it was it was probably two months after i met you i kept going like do you own anything other than tank tops and she went not really and i went okay why (laughs) like i love tank tops because i have a lot of them you see that but like why why don't you go ahead and tell us why (laughs) because it's the complete opposite of what i was told to do I was told to wear the sleeves. I was told to cover up. Your parents should be thankful that your rebellion is tank tops. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, my rebellion was I dated a 20 going on 21 year old when I was 15 going on 16. (laughs) And then then I did what your cousin just did and married my Marine high school sweetheart at the age of 18. So... They should be really happy that your rebellion is... Tank tops. No. I'm going to wear tank tops and show my cleavage. 
<laughs> well, it's, for the record, showing her cleavage is really not that difficult. Her one tit is the size of a toddler. <laughs> um, I love you. I would actually have that's I would have problems covering the cleavage. I I've mentioned that so. in past in a past episode. Um, I mentioned that to Johnny. <laughs> I was like, here's the thing, though, is like. Her tits are the size that, like, she can't cover unless she's wearing a turtleneck. And he went, oh, God. (laughs) I went, exactly. Yeah, she's not joking. I can put on a regular T-shirt that would cover cleavage and everything on... The average person. Someone... Yeah, an average person. And it's... Well, I mean, like, I'm... I don't have small tits. Like, I, I really don't. No. But, like, I feel bad for you. (laughs) <laughs> let's just i'm a 50 h <laughs> that's a jesus <laughs> um it's, a it's actually gone down because when after i had rory i was a double h yeah after i had my daughter i was a double h but i've gone down to an h needless to say when i told her that as she's changed she's she's you're making very very um smart and achievable lifestyle choice changes right now with the um cutting soda and sugars not entirely we're we're finding different ways to like um curb it so that way whenever you have a little bit because you're not at the point yet where we can start reintroducing those types of treats yet because you're still in the this is hard you can um, give me a Snickers bar right now, and I'd eat the whole fucking thing in one bite. She'd deep throat it. Like, there would be... She'd just <laughs> swallow that shit whole. Um, but we, you're making very good progress, and one of the things that I happened to have said was the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to lose your tits. And she went, oh, God, thank you. <laughs> like, that was the first response was seriously awesome and i'm like i'm still waiting for the day that she comes out of her bedroom and goes i have to buy new bras mine are getting too big because i see her bras laying on the floor and i feel like i could prop it's bigger than my ass (laughs) like i could fit my ass in one cup (laughs) okay but i i am really happy and i'm proud of you for for um sticking it out you're you're coming you're coming out of a very dark place and i'm not gonna lie i think it would be um the opposite of progress for you to move in to temecula and be closer to the people i know you can see the dots in the microphone that's what i'm saying I was making sure that I wasn't crazy. I was like, there's a little black circle. Again, she's never been in front of a microphone (laughs) like this. I just let my dork out. It's okay. Dork is good. Dork is good. That means that you're still in good spirits. This is is good. You've done really well. And I want to thank you for coming and sharing with us and (laughs) for having a good attitude about it and just kind of like toughen out the, the awkwardness. Yeah, I'm, like say we did this next week, I'd probably start out the same damn awkwardness. It's okay. I, I think that it it's very well appreciated by a lot of people because it's difficult for me to find um, revolving co- co-hosts because that's what I'm looking for right now, by the way, guys. I am looking for revolving co-hosts. So if you are interested in sharing your story, you can do it completely anonymously. You don't have to have your name mentioned Um I try not to mention names for purpose of anonymity as it is. Not everyone is as concerned. Um, So you want to use names, use names. If not, then don't. I actually have someone, I have a guest who's going to be coming over. Well, not not over. Going to be joining me on the show um, within the next few days to tell um some of their story and i'm kind of excited because that's that's one more you know what i mean like it's it's starting to get there so if you or a loved one has any struggles with mental illness and you would like to share a little bit of what it is it's not easy 
you can ask Tiffany. It's it's not easy. I understand this, but I feel like everybody deserves to be heard. And I think that these types of interactions help those of us who do struggle on a very real level on a fairly regular basis. Um, if you or a loved one has any mental health struggles that you would like to share the experiences of, um, I would really like to hear from you. Go ahead and shoot me an email at taboo-tuesday-podcast at gmail.com. Um, also, don't forget to check out the website and get yourself a Taboo Tuesday t-shirt. Help support the podcast and the production. I'm still sweating balls. <laughs> She's a fucking nut. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Tiffany, thank you for being vulnerable and open and discussing all of this with us today guys i'll see you next tuesday